Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. I want to share something I feel like has been on my heart, and, and as my wife and I, Candy, that was my wife that was up there with all the guys on the stage today. I don't know if y'all noticed. The candy man, it was candy and the man. So <laughs> we've been sharing and talking about some things about where God first planted some dreams in our heart many, many years ago. I think about when I was 14 and, and the Lord began to just drop some dreams in our heart. And I think dreams are, are good. They serve a purpose until they just go awry, until they turn into nightmares, right? <laughs> Then what do you do? You know, as kids, we ask, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it seems cute. They want to be a firefighter. They want to play in the NFL. You know, they're not going to get beyond like 5'2". It's likely they're not going to be playing NBA basketball, but they're dreaming. They see LeBron, you know. But we, we encourage our kids to have dreams. And maybe rightfully so, as dishonest as sometimes we are in, in encouraging them. But as they get a little bit older and they get into high school and they start filling out the FAFSA and all that stuff, it's still like, what, what do you want to do? What's the next step? What do you want to be when you grow up? And we think we know. We think we know. And God's, God sometimes will put things in our heart. And we follow those dreams. But I want to talk today to those that maybe you have just lived enough life to realize those dreams don't always go as you thought they would. That sometimes when we have dreams in our life, we begin to interpret them and we think we understand how it's supposed to work out, but then life just happens. And then we realize, we look back, and, and there's some grief in the wake. The one that was dreaming with us is no longer with us. Those that were championing us and surrounding us, their voices are gone and lost, their echoes distant and faint. And maybe it seems like your dream turned into a nightmare and maybe has even died. And I want to talk to those of us that have experienced enough to know that it's okay to dream again. It's okay to dream again. Would you join me in prayer before we jump into this? Father, I just ask that you would help me to communicate the things I believe you have placed on my heart. Today, we just open ourselves up to receive the encouragement and download uh, just the, the instruction your Spirit is giving us for the process you have us in. Lord, renew our hope the dreams that you planted in us. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, when I first began to dream, I never thought that I would actually be doing what I'm doing today, working with Kiko full time. It was what my parents did. You always want to do something greater than your parents did, right? I mean, you were like, I want to do more than what they... I never thought this is where I'd end up. Working with family in Knoxville. Oh, look, I know him. Levi's back. I never thought that I would even be fostering and potentially adopting in two months. Those weren't things that I necessarily had on my radar when I was 14 and God began to put dreams inside of me. And I believe that in our adolescence, in our teenage years, that's when God puts dreams inside of us. Because so to speak, we need that carrot to drive us towards something. I'm all about godly ambition and a drive in, in our young people especially. But when I was 14, I remember specifically I was out of school for a week right before spring break and I was flat on my back, sick, watching 700 Club because my mom kept it on as often as it was. And there was a man that began to share about his mission 
trips into Sudan and what was happening there. I remember specifically what he was showing in the video clips that were on that day because God was doing something inside my heart. He was expanding me and directing me towards a call that he had for my life in missions. And I began to try to interpret some of the things that I felt like God was doing in my heart. And I went on some trips and I got some experiences and I surrounded myself with people and read books. And, and I did all the things that I thought I was supposed to do. And, and then I even began to, to try to understand where, where was it that God wanted me to serve and how do I best prepare myself? I felt like I was being responsible with the seeds that God had planted inside me. I wrestled a little bit because I felt like my heart was more in Central South America and God was leading me towards the Middle East. I was like, I don't want to go work in a Muslim country. I'm white. <laughs> that doesn't work out so good. I watched the news. It may be fake, but it seems real. And I wrestled with God in the dream of where I felt like he was leading me. What was it that God planted in you? What was the process that you've seen how God has led you and where are you at in that, that journey? You know, as I continued to try to understand my dream from a teenager to then going into college, I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm still, still headed to missions. I'm just going to go to Trevecca Nazarene University in Nashville and study to be a PA because at the time, PA programs were not a dime a dozen like they are today. That was the only school in Tennessee that had one. So I was already set up. It was an expensive school, but they were gracious with scholarships. It seemed like God's favor. It had to be the right step. They were giving me a lot of money. This must be it. I was going to do the microbiology and chemistry double major, go straight into their master's program for the PA, and be a medical missionary. It seemed like it was, it was meant to be. But two weeks before school was starting there, God began to redirect my heart. He said, no, not there, not now. Just wait. And I began to feel like I was supposed to go to a Bible college in Pensacola, which is where I met my wife. We were both in school down there. It was unaccredited. It wasn't going to be a stepping stone to anything. It wasn't going to provide two years of education so that I could build on it. No, it was only accredited in the state of Florida. It wasn't going to do anything for me other than some foundations spiritually. But that's why the Lord wanted me to go there. It's part of my journey. It was part of my process. But I, I got out of there, and I was ambitious still. Yeah, ministry, we can change the world. That's what we tell youngsters who are impressionable, right? You can change the world. You might go through a little bit of hell before you get there, because that's life, and that's the journey of seeing our dreams fulfilled. I went to L.A. and worked to, with a large organization out there called the Dream Center. <laughs> the Dream Center. The Los Angeles Dream Center was a network of, of different nonprofits and organizations run by Matthew Barnett uh, at the time still still there. Him and his dad started this, and it was located out of the old Queen of Angels Hospital. So I, I lived on the third floor of the hospital. My office was on the eighth floor. There was an AIDS hospice on the first floor. There was like recovery on a different floor. I mean, when I say recovery in L.A., I'm talking like dudes had broken every commandment, including murder, right? You know, and I'm like, I had, I'm getting on the elevator with them. I am 20 years old. I am scrawny as can be. Levi looks beefy compared to what I look like. I'm just saying. And so, but God was in the journey and the process. I was supposed to be serving in the kitchen, but I ended up as a, an a executive assistant to the leader of the organization in Matthew's offices. It's part of my process. But while I was out there, I got burnt out. I got jaded. I saw things behind the scenes that I really didn't want to see. And I, and I came back here a little disillusioned. Okay, a lot disillusioned. I'm going to be honest. 
And I thought, I came back early. I ended my internship a couple of months, and it ate me alive that I didn't fulfill my commitment. And I came back in January of 2003, and I thought, okay, I can kick my butt in gear spiritually. I'm going to go to the One Thing Conference up in Kansas City. I'm going to fast. This is what's going to happen inside my spirit. And so I'm going to get back on track. And I did those things, and nothing changed inside. I still felt lost and as empty as before. But I tried to get back into ministry, and, and Kiko gave me an opportunity to work with their teens. And I failed, and I floundered, and I didn't know what to do. Where have you seen you, your attempts with your dreams lead to a dead end? Because internally, there's something misaligned still, and you're still wrestling through the process of your dream being fulfilled. And there's a process that you have to go through, and it's not always pretty. So I ended up back at a Chick-fil-A where I had worked in high school and I overcommitted myself. I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. It was not my pleasure. <laughs> I told my boss, who, owned, who was the owner-operator, I'm your man. Make me your night manager. I'm here. I'm, I'm all yours. I don't have anything else to do because I didn't have anything else to do. But that wasn't where I was supposed to be. I ended up going back to school. Johnson University, it was a stepping stone for me because the last thing God had spoken to me, I knew that was clear, was a, a master's program I wanted to go to in Virginia Beach. So all I knew to do was the last thing I had heard. And so I tried to move in that direction, and I did. I moved in that direction, but I was questioning God. I was questioning everything I had ever experienced that I thought was real. I was going through what I considered my postmodern experience of, of my faith. Everything was on the table or was it valid or was it not? And sometimes it seems like your dream before it will ever be fulfilled becomes a nightmare. But all you have to keep doing, you got to keep taking one step forward. Do the next right thing. Just keep the Lord the center of it all and he gets us through. I think about Abraham and I think about how God called him. I don't know a whole lot about him. Not much is told to us. But in Genesis 12, one through five, I just want to read this briefly. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. He was, the first, he was one of the first missionaries. And go to the land I will show you. What land? I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Well, that sounds great. That sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe. He goes to Egypt because he had a process to go through. He's already up in years, but he learns about his integrity as he lies about his wife in Egypt. And then he continues to learn about relationships with his family as him and Lot have to divide because of some of the, even the blessings that God was pouring onto him. There was a process that he had to go through that even though he had received the promises, he couldn't shortcut that process. And he learned from various scenarios in his life that there's a promise, there's a process. And he would ask God again, but what about this? You promised me this. I'm up in years. Okay, by this time next year, I'll give you a son. He tried to manufacture that on his own. Didn't work. But God was still blessing his illegitimacy. God still blessed Ishmael in spite of all that but it wasn't the fulfillment of the promise that God originally gave him. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to fulfill the dreams that God's given me in my own strength and understanding. And I end up with an Ishmael, and I'm looking around, and I don't feel fulfilled. 
inside, the barometer's not right. You can just tell. And so he, he looks back and he's, he's, he gets the, the covenant of circumcision. We fast forward and, and finally Isaac. And then here it is, God's blessing, God's fulfillment of your promise. And then he asks you to kill it. He asks you to all the way to the point of putting it on the altar and raising a knife above it because the Lord will provide. Sometimes in the journey of our promises, our dreams being fulfilled, we have to be willing to go to the point of killing them. Of believing that God is greater than the gift. That the giver is so much more valuable. And obedience is what he's looking for. That's a tough journey to unpack. To unravel in the process of life. Because Hudson Taylor says this, a missionary to India. He writes, he says, There is a cross that is tailor-made for each and every one of us. You see, our process of understanding the dreams that God has for us is going to hurt you, Luis, differently than it hurts me. What is personal for you, what, what rubs you and creates splinters from your cross is going to be different than what does for me. But as we bear that cross, we see the beauty of Christ's image. There's a joy on the other side. And it is Jesus born in us and through us that all the earth may know that he is good and that he is God. And so we jump that what will we do when God asks us to sacrifice the very thing he promised us? Can we trust him in his plan? How tightly do we hold on to the gift instead of the giver? And Jesus said this, he said, unless a grain of wheat dies and falls to the ground, it cannot live. Before there can be fruit from our lives, there must first be a death. Maybe a death to our ambition, our ways, our thoughts, our understanding of things. And I want to fast forward and, and look at Joseph. In the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we, we get Joseph. And Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph, he saw great things for his life. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And his, his dad could have asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, apparently, I'm going to be your boss. Apparently, you're all going to bow down to me. And let's go ahead and practice. You know, let's, let me share you something that God showed me last night. Cheers, take a drink. So Joseph says, I had a dream. It was a little bit different than Martin Luther's. He had a dream. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream, but Joseph's dream here is, hey, brothers, guess what? I know I'm the youngest. I'm 17, in fact. In his adolescence, God gives him this dream. I don't think he ever thought that before the palace there'd be a pit. I don't think he saw that in his dream. That when he shared it, with his brothers, that it would only incite jealousy and bitterness and even anger and hatred. That they would want to throw him in a deep pit and one brother would finally pipe up and save his life. And they would say, well, yeah, we can at least make some money off it. You know, why not? Put some blood on the jacket, take it back to dad, but let's at least sell the guy. Let's get him out of our hair, tired of this lunatic dreamer. And that's what happens to his dream. But it doesn't die there. It continues on this journey that many of us don't understand that when God puts something in our heart that, man, I experienced this. Michael, I, this is what I went through. And I, and I have a dream to help people that have gone through things that are similar. But I don't know how to get started. I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I have a desire. Just one foot in front of the other. Just the next right thing. Just continue to seek the Lord. And He will lead us. He will guide us. He will always see us through. And, and even though we may try to interpret the dream and understand what that next step is, He is faithful. Even in our floundering, I've seen His goodness. Even when the bullets are flying, He's in the midst of it. 
Even when the air brakes go out on your bus, thank the Lord that happened this week too. He's, he's with us. He's with us. And so we see Joseph. He shares the dream prematurely, but this was part of the process. And even after being elevated to a place of authority in that palace, God had another level for him, but it came with a test. It came with a price. He would be falsely accused. Falsely accused. His integrity would be on the line. He'd end up in the jail again. But he didn't give up using the gifts that God had put in him. You see, some of us, we're like, man, our gifts have become rusty. We're focused on our career. Or we want to just go ahead and make some more money. We want to get the American dream under our belt first. And we feel a little bit of responsibility and we chalk it up to, well, I'm, I'm the provider. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is good stewardship, isn't it? But we know that there was a gift and a call and we've abandoned it. Don't abandon that dream. Don't be afraid to dream again. And sometimes it takes going back to where those dreams were first ignited. What was it? What was it that you were doing? What was it that, what was the place that you were at? And I've tried to go back. Remember, I thought I could kick myself in gear. I thought, well, this is what worked before. It'll work again. And sometimes it doesn't. But we keep putting one foot in front of the other. And we keep seeking the Lord while he may be found. And he's faithful to get us through. And I love what, what Joseph says at the end of days for him. In, in Genesis 50, verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. To me, this is the Old Testament echo of my favorite verse in the Bible, Romans 8, 28. God will make all things work out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. This is what Joseph is saying. Hey, you intended to harm me, but God worked it out for the good because I'm called according to his purposes because he planted the dream. I may have thought I understood how it was going to work out, but I didn't give up. I didn't stop dreaming. And so after coming back and trying to figure out what was next, overshooting my targets at Chick-fil-A, it was not my pleasure, Carrie. I'm sorry. Still eat there, though. It's blessed chicken. I realized that even after getting my master's in missions and missiology, I didn't know what was next. I still didn't know how to get to the next step. I, I did everything that God had told me up to this point. But internally, I, I still wasn't firing on all cylinders spiritually. And I didn't know how to change it. It was frustrating. I was disillusioned. I had been told that you're destined for greatness. And we are. But there's a process. And part of the price to pay is the journey. It molds us and it makes us, it gives us some solid footing because we'll never be fully grateful that God did all of this because we know we couldn't have. The process is humbling. The process shatters our pride. It, it exposes our inability to fulfill the dream when we think we can. And that's where I found myself. But God was faithful to dream again. And so here I was, I was working at Starbucks only a couple of days, candy's providing for the family, that makes a man happy, right? <laughs> I'm really able to do my, my part here. Only a couple of days at Starbucks, they're letting me uh, take my classes, I'm working at home online, I'm taking trips up to, to Virginia Beach where my school was for modular weeks, all that's happening, and finally I get an opportunity that, that, that looks good. There's a credit union up the hill and they offer me a job because I've built a relationship at Starbucks with a couple of the, the staff, and I'm like, oh, this is it. And they're going to work with me to finish my grad school. This is great. I had no financial institution background, but God's favor was still there. 
Even in the midst of my floundering, I saw God's favor. I, I can only attribute it to the obedience years before because I didn't feel like I had deserved it in the moment. I felt like I was still playing catch up with maybe some seeds I had sown, but I didn't know how long it would last. When's it going to run out? And so here I was at the credit union. Within a year, I was managing my own branch. Again, no experience. Well, this is great. This must be where I'm supposed to be. I finished my master's in missions. I'm managing a, a, a financial institution. It made no sense. But I was enjoying it. I was doing it as much as I could, internally still knowing there was something bigger, something greater. There was a dream. And I kind of brushed it to the side. And we appeared to be involved in our church. We were leading a small group, and we had started a coffee ministry and all this other stuff. It looked like we were doing ministry, but it wasn't what we were called to. It wasn't the full extent of it all yet. We knew that, but we didn't know how to get from here to there, but God did. And so in our wandering, he continued to lead us. We just kept putting one foot forward, and my brother finally he says, Hey, my, my son's going into middle school. There's an opening for the middle school pastor at my church. Why don't you apply? It would be great. I'll work with you. You'll have my son. We'll work with all the kids. It was a big church. I knew the pastor. knew the knew all the staff. Uh, and so I applied. It was a four-month process for them to hire someone. So it got me in conversations with Candy to dream again. I had been at the credit union and was looking for, how do I make more money? I'm going to go be a drug rep. My brother's a drug rep. He's got some ends. I applied it you know, with Lily. I, I mean, I was ready to make some, let's do this. Yeah, I'm ready to provide for my family. I've graduated. Let's go. But it wasn't what God had called me to. The dream was dusty and sitting to the side. And so this sparked that again. I didn't get the job. I was down to the final two. I wasn't meant to get the job. It was meant to reignite the dream. It was meant to get me dreaming again. And I didn't know that. So in my devastation, though, I had some passion again. There was life. It was small. It was a tender shoot. But it was there. So now what? Fast forward, my mom had um, her first round of, of chemo and cancer that same year. It was all part of the journey. God was aligning my heart for what was coming up next. And, and the, the board asked, hey, would you be willing to come on and work with, with Kiko full time? And finally, I felt like, I think I've got the internal freedom to be able to do what, what God's calling us to do in baby steps. I think so. I think we can do it. So we took it. It wasn't going to provide for my family. It was, it was a lateral move. It, it provided in, in, in a way that I, I felt like was, was God. It was the next step. So we did it. And we've watched what God has done since, how he shifted our heart and the dreams began to come alive again. And God's not done. I'm not overseas. I'm here in Knoxville. I don't know what's next. Will I end up in another? Maybe. It's God's dream, not mine. I'm just following with a yes in my heart. And I find that that's all the Lord is asking for. Do we have a yes in our heart? Are we willing to say, God, I give up trying to interpret. I give up trying to understand. I give up trying to end at 1130, which the pastor told me to. Because it's part of the process. I want to leave you with four simple things. I'm not a preacher of points or alliterations or any of the fancy stuff you normally get, all right? But I want to leave you with four simple points. If you're a note taker and you're really saved, I'll give these to you. The first one is just embrace the process. Simply put, when things don't go as planned, don't be afraid to fill it to its fullness. You don't have to lie about failed expectations. 
but you also can't continue your life living as a victim. All right, there's a balance to this. Embracing the process is twofold here. Embrace it. Grieve when it calls for grieving, but admit when we have interpreted the dream incorrectly. We think we know the next step or the next three or four, but then it goes a completely different direction than we expected. We get thrown off course because we were not ready for the process, the cross that was tailored for us. Our process will be individualized. It will be personalized. Don't add drama to it. Don't shortcut it. Don't extend it. Just take it for the value that it brings and the joy that's on the other side. The second thing I want to leave us with this morning is renew yourself. It's so important to not merely just return to the first stages of your dream, but return to the one who gave them to us to begin with. Hash out where you are now. That's part of the process. Be real about it. I yelled at God. He yelled back. That's part of the process. I was upset. I was frustrated with myself, with how I had under interpreted and, and my frustration, my inability, because God was crushing me, crushing me, crushing me, crushing me. Now I can use you. Now I can mold you. Now you're not bent on your own way and understanding and thinking you can do it in your own strength. Thank you, God, for that process. His grace is able. Don't quit or believe that the promises have ever expired. I don't care how few hairs, how many hairs, how gray hairs, how dark hairs you have. The dreams never die. There may be new ones. Your young men will have visions and your old men will dream dreams. I always thought that was because the old people slept so much that they had the dreams and the young people had the visions. But it's just God speaks to all of us. That was Pastor James' joke. If you're unhappy with it, you can talk to him. But his gifts, as dusty and as old as they may be, they come without repentance. They're irrevocable, as Paul would tell us. I've seen people that they've put their gift on, on the shelf because they didn't know what to do with it. Their calling set there, but they knew it was still there. And they followed a career and they had a family. I've got someone in my own family that's done this with their life. And they're floundering now trying to understand their spiritual walk and their journey as a leader in their home. That's because they never returned to the original gift and call that God gave them. Dust it off. It's still there. God hasn't changed his mind. This is just part of the process, friends. David would encourage himself in the Lord. Why are you so sad, my soul? He had been anointed, but he knew he, he, knew he was next in line. God's call and dreams for his life were clear, but there was a process, and he was not going to abort the process. He could have, in the cave of his predecessor, taken the next step to be in line for that kingdom. But he said, I will not touch God's anointed in due time. I will not shortcut the process. I will not take things into my own hands. I will let the Lord elevate me when it is time. Surround yourself with those that dream. I met a lady yes, last night at a derby race that Kiko was benefiting from. I was about three collars above my class when I was in this place. I wore a full suit and I was underdressed. And we were at this home and this lady's sitting there and she's sharing with me and she just begins to just talk about the dreams that God had in her life as, as she unpacked them as an eighth grader. Here she was, 70 years old. And I was like, well, when did they start happening? And I feel we did the math. She said, well, I was born in 48. And she said, wait, she's not 70. Then. I don't know. She said, I was born here and... And it happened in this year, 1988. Forty years later, she finally saw the first glimmer. She said, but let me tell you, son, there was a lot of hell to pay. I lost people that I loved. And my dream 
it kind of got lost in that too. She said, my husband, he was my dreamer. I didn't know how to dream without him. Then I lost my son in the same year. What was I supposed to do with my dream? How do you dream in the midst of, of grief and heartache? She said, but I knew that God was in this process. And I was talking to her. I said, you have no idea you're preaching my sermon. And I said, I, I was meant to talk to you. I sat there for about 40 minutes talking to this one lady as we discussed the process. And you renew yourself. You surround yourself. She said, you've got to put people around you that will help you dream again that will help revitalize and revive what God is giving you. I ain't done yet. <laughs> Apparently I am. This is point two. But remember and experience things that fueled that dream before. The third point I want to give you of four, I'm still going. He is. You can play all day. The third one, real quick, knowing is half the battle. The great psychologist G.I. Joe said this, knowing is half the battle. Awareness is curative. Recognize where you're currently at and give yourself enough time to allow the Lord to speak to you and give yourself the space to listen. Allow his reassurance to reenter your soul. Even if nothing changes on the outside immediately, just recognize the process that God has you in. Remember, it's little by little. In Exodus 23:30. We're reminded that little by little, I'll drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. We can't fulfill the great promised land, the promise that God has given us all at once. We're not ready for that. We'll interpret it wrongly. We'll do it on our own. We'll screw it up. But little by little, God will lead us. Knowing is half the battle. The fourth thing, and lastly, know when to share. Kenny Rogers reminds us, you got to know when to hold them. Know when, just kidding, know when to fold them. You got to know when to share your vision. Right now we live in such a culture. That was bad, I'm sorry. Seemed better last night when I was writing this. We live in such a culture of share everything, right? Every webpage has got to share, a Facebook, a tweet, a whatever, a Pinterest. Who Pinterest? Anyways. So we've got to, we live in a culture of share everything. Nothing is sacred. Nothing is valuable. If it's, if it's worth holding to yourself, let it marinate a little bit. I don't know about you, but I've shared some things before it was time, and, and then I lost my gusto to actually fulfill it. It was almost like I'd already done it, and I hadn't done the first thing other than theorize. I had thought about it. I had planned. I was excited, and then I was just excited about sharing it, and that was it. I wasn't excited about doing anything. Sometimes we share prematurely, and then we realize... Oh, man, it wasn't time. I shared it with people who weren't dreaming with me. Jesus warns us about putting our pearls before swine. We don't throw what is sacred before those who can't value it with us. They'll play music when we're not done preaching. <laughs> For me, there's a journey, there's a process to the dream. And I think that I just want to remind someone it's okay to dream again. It's okay to just take the next step. You don't have to know the next three. Just have a yes in your heart to the Lord. Old and young alike, God's got dreams. God's got plans. Those old ones haven't gone away. He gave them to us to begin with. It's from Him, and it's all about Him. Would you join me in prayer this morning?
Father, I thank you that you're encouraging someone. You're at least encouraging me. God, that it's okay to dream again. It's okay to embrace the process. It's okay to just enjoy the journey, even though it's got some bumps and some bruises and some scrapes along the way, that God, you're, you're changing us from the inside out. And part of appreciating that you're the one who gave us the dream is understanding that you're the only one who can fulfill it. So God, we just thank you that you're going to reignite that dream, that slowly we're gonna to begin to just craft a plan and take those next steps to reignite those dreams again. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, this morning, if you're saying, Michael, that's, that's me, that's where I'm at. I know God has put some things in my heart, but they seem so lost, so far from where I'm at right now. I just wanna pray with you this week. Would you just raise your hand so I can just acknowledge who you are? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Father, I just pray for those that you're reigniting dreams again. They know that you have planted vision. And you've asked them, what do you want to do? And you've come to them and you've said, well, what do you have? All to say, watch what I'm about to do. Watch a God of the impossibilities make all things possible. Lord, we thank you for your encouragement, your love, your grace upon us. We thank you that in the heartache of the journey, you never leave us or forsake us. You never abandon us. You, we're not orphans. We thank you that as your children, you're here for us. And so we quiet our souls and our spirits as you reignite vision and dreams again. We love you, Lord. Amen and amen.